Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. Today is Wednesday, December 8th, and you are listening to Rocket City Lift. Hello all, welcome back to Rocket City Lift. I'm Brett Goodman. And I'm Tara Bolger. We come to you three times a week and try to bring a bit of a spiritual lift to your day. We are going to be talking about one of the minor prophets in Malachi today, but before we get to that, let's begin with a prayer. Our prayer today is from the 1979 edition of the Book of Common Prayer. Let us pray. Merciful God, who sent thy messengers, the prophets, to preach repentance and prepare the way for our salvation, give us grace to heed their warnings and forsake our sins, that we may greet with joy the coming of Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, who liveth and reigneth with thee and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Our scripture comes from the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verses 1 through 4. See, I am sending my messenger to prepare the way before me, and the Lord whom you seek will suddenly come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant in whom you delight, indeed he is coming, says the Lord of hosts. But who can endure the day of his coming, and who can stand when he appears? For he is like a refiner's fire, and like a fuller's soap. He will sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. Then the offering of Judah and Jerusalem will be pleasing to the Lord as in the days of old and as in former years. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to to God. God. Brett, um, the prophets, of course, are um, kind of, Uh, foretelling of the coming of the Messiah. But what does it mean to say the Lord will come to his temple? And why does it sound vaguely scary? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, the prophets point forward and they do this, you know, great thing where they point forward and they speak to their context. And and in their context, the the temple was uh, not in great shape. It wasn't doing what it was supposed to be doing. It wasn't, uh, people weren't offering sacrifices as with hearts that actually wanted to worship God, uh, they weren't. They wasn't leading to any transformation in their life. They'd make their you know yearly sacrifice, and then they'd go out and abuse the poor. And and it was this really kind of uh, difficult situation in the whole culture of Israel, where uh, the prophets are speaking against how the Israel are not taking care of their people. Uh, their worship means nothing. They're only doing it as a ritual thing and so checking a box checking a box and uh and that's not okay to god and and so there needs to be growth there needs to be refinement there needs to be change and i don't know if you've ever experienced any of those things in your life they're not pleasant (laughs) right (laughs) yeah they're never pleasant when we go through a period in our life where we need to change who we are uh when we need to change uh, how we're living our life um and that's what the that's what god is calling them to do and um you know that idea of of refinement you know that's burning away the bad things uh and sometimes that's really what 
what we need to do in our lives is is burn away those things that uh, are, are standing in the way of our worship, whether that's in our lives and we're treating people poorly and that needs to be burned away or whether it's complacency or whether all those things changing away from our selfishness, it feels like a burning away of, of um, a pruning, if you mm-hmm. will. And mm-hmm. th- at least for me, that's scary. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's the whole thing of like, I don't want to pray to God to give me patience because that means there are going to be some situations <laughs> yeah. where you're like, I need to practice patience yeah. and it's hard. Um, Absolutely. I do think that it, I think God loves us as we are and God loves us enough to not leave us that way, Mm -hmm. to want Mm. more for us to live into the best of our creation. Mm. Um, What I love about this, I always think of the John Calvin um, quote that the minute Christ came into the world, worship was no longer confined to one place Mm. because Christ was in the world. So worship should be in the world. That's not to say that we are now, um, that we don't need to be a worshiping body who gathers together. But it means that worship no longer needs to happen only in Jerusalem. And so the goal also is that we will be a people who worship with our whole lives in every moment. And so the idea of corporate worship, um, a time for us to gather, we're practicing what we need to do in every other moment of our life. And the truth is that we sin and we 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 need to be made new and sometimes that's painful mm-hmm. and what? so i think that's why it's a little like i don't know that i want to be purified okay that. but <laughs> well it's you know i think about every time you know we've we've talked about this between the two of us of of probably our favorite most of the time our favorite sequence in worship is the the con- Confession and the assurance of pardon, and uh, and the confessing together. Sometimes it, it hurts and mm-hmm. it's hard because if if we're truly acknowledging if the, if if we're not just going through the boxes if we're if we're meaning what we're saying in those words like that should hurt to realize that we've hurt other people oh, in that way. Yes. Um, and then we have and we sit with that and we bring it to God and then we have the hope and the redemption of the assurance of parting. And that's lovely. Um, but that doesn't happen without first that purification, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's absolutely right. And I also, I think that on the whole, we are a people who love that assurance of pardon. Um, but the assurance of pardon comes in our repentance yeah. and in our owning of what we done, uh, what we done, what? what we have done and what we have left undone and turning from that. Um, and that is painful. You know, it's interesting. I think we often have the idea that the goal of life is to make it painless. I think our Lord and Savior has abs- absolutely no interest in that. I mean, mm-hmm. our Lord and Savior was crucified. Mm-hmm. And so the idea instead is to become as much like Christ as we can. And there is some suffering in that. You can't get around it. Um, but I also think that we don't have to fear because the Holy Spirit is in it with us. I know that some of the most painful times in my life, I have looked back and it has been the time of the greatest growth and I really wouldn't trade it. Yeah. I want to I want to want to go through it again. No, <laughs> but please. I want to but I'm I want to trade. Crazy. I was talking to my uh, uncle yesterday who just published uh, his dissertation about the abyss in revelation, which mm-hmm. sounds like the worst read ever, but it was actually pretty good. And we were talking about it and he said, you know, 
there's a lot of suffering in Revelation. Uh, there's a lot of pain. Uh, and he did this, again, deep dive on the single word abyss and how it's used in the Old Testament, how it's used in intertestamental, and how it's used in Revelation. Uh, and he's like, and so the abyss becomes, you know, for the Israelite people, for the hearers of that word, like the worst possible place. It's where the Leviathan, it's where the monsters are kept. It's it's this horrible place. But even in the abyss, God exists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's the most important thing. And, and the hope in that is that uh, even in uh, those difficult suffering times, to hold on to the hope that no matter where those are, even in the abyss in the depths of of hell essentially and the in the and underneath the earth god exists uh, uh and is there with you um helping you go through that purification process you know as a parent when my kids were very small the goal was to keep them safe um physically to be sure but also to kind of wrap them up and hold them when they were so small and they didn't have the tools or the resources to handle a lot of stuff. Now my children are teenagers, almost adults, and I have to be very conscious about a let, letting them have some suffering that is appropriate, mm-hmm. not too great, um, and I'm privileged to be able to limit that in some way. But, you know, they're going to get their hearts broken and they're going to break some hearts. And that's going to be really hard. And I hope they learn to treat people kindly through that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, this is the time for them to learn that life is not fair. Rarely is it fair. It's fairer for us than most people on the earth. Um, And so it's hard to not want to rescue them from that. Um, And I think the Lord God loves us enough to not want to rescue us from the suffering but instead to walk us through that so that we can become more like the people he wants us to be. And I think that's the thing we hold on to, right, is that the end, uh, the goal isn't, or not the goal, but the end product isn't brokenness, but it's transformation. Yes. Uh, The end part is redemption. Yeah, absolutely. Well, with that, let us go out with a quote from Barbara Kingsolver, who says, the least you can do in your life is gift out what you hope for. And the most you can do is live inside that hope. Not admire it from a distance, but live right in it under its roof. Amen to that. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. Come back again on Friday, and we will look forward to talking with you then. Now, may you each go out to love and to serve, to be well, to care for yourselves and others, knowing that the grace and love of God is upon you. Amen. Amen.